0: Being the new guy at any job is rough. You depend completely on your trainer's information to learn how to do your job well. Sometimes a less than professional trainer may think it's funny to pass on some shady information to any group's greenhorns. In a group that was isolated far from civilization, like lumberjacks, small stories may grow into legends as large as the pines they harvested. It was a dark, dangerous, freezing cold job, and the men would tell stories to distract from their long, miserable days. Whenever a new recruit arrived, the veteran workers would weave all kinds of tall tales just to see what these naive new lumbermen would buy. It started innocently enough. One burly lumberman was better and burlier than the rest. That man was Paul Bunyan. He was already better than the rest of the lumberjacks, so at first the exaggerated tales of his feats seemed believable. But as the men found them funnier and funnier, the exaggerations grew and grew, until they were so ridiculous and funny that they brought relief to the long, hard days. Like one story where the Lumberjack bought giant or brought giant bumblebees to the... The Midwest to fight off the oppressive clouds of mosquitoes in the wooden, wooded swamps. These were all silly but harmless fish tales until William B. Laughhead pulled up a bunk at the lumber camp. While he enjoyed the Paul Bunyan stories, he would also carry them with him when he left the woods. When he became an author, he was hired by the Red River Lumber Company. When trying to think of how to advertise the company, he thought of the Lumberjack stories and included some of them in his pamphlet. Because these silly tales had been kept exclusively within the camps, though, your average person couldn't relate to them, so Laugh made the tales of a larger-than-life man, larger-than-life themselves. Storytellers have a term they call fake lore. This is where an author creates a new story but insists its roots are deep in actual folklore. Laughhead took the actual folklore of Paul Bunyan and plussed it, as Disney would say, with some fake lore. Suddenly the series of pamphlets took off in 1916. Paul Bunyan went from a real man who happened to be seven feet tall to an actual giant. His stories also went from silly but believable to epic. In an early story, Paul was illiterate and made all of his orders for the mill by drawing pictures. For this reason, one of his orders resulted in him receiving an order of giant cheese wheels instead of millstones. After laughhead, his stories included him cleaning or sorry, clearing a whole acre of wood with a single swing of his axe. So a bit of a difference between the scale of the two stories, right? His story started with Paul being a giant, even as a baby, requiring five storks to carry him home. From there, Baby Bunyan required the milk from two cows and ten barrels of porridge every two hours to keep him full enough that his tummy wouldn't rumble, since these rumblings tended to make their house collapse. He was so big and grew so much so quickly. That eventually the family moved out into the woods where he could no longer cause so much property damage. He eventually grew to be 63 axe handles tall, which is approximately 189 feet or the height of Cinderella Castle in Walt Disney World. Having grown up in the deep dark forests, Paul was comfortable as a lumberjack and it was a natural career for him. Bunyan was so big that in order to make him pancakes, the camp needed a half mile long griddle. The cook would then need to strap a ham to each foot and skate across the hot pan to oil it. One winter was especially cold, and since it's normal to have a negative 40 degree winter, by especially cold, I mean supernaturally cold. It was so cold that words spoken out loud would freeze in midair and never reach the ears of their intended listener, and the snow fell blue upon the gray ground. As Paul was walking through the woods, he found a little baby ox. The calf had once been the purest white but was dyed blue by his long exposure to the azure snow. Paul brought him home and named him Babe and the two were inseparable from then on. Animals had a tendency to grow very large around Paul, and Babe soon matured to meet the size of his master. Together, they had amazing adventures. Paul dug Lake Michigan to be a water trough for Babe, and as the two followed their journey west, their tracks became the 10,000 lakes of Minnesota. During one exhausted walk, Paul dragged his axe behind him, leaving the resulting trench that we would call the Grand Canyon, after which he created Yosemite Falls as his shower. Unfortunately, as a result of Paul's hard work, the country became more and more crowded and civilized. Being a true man of the wild, Paul went north to the highest reaches of Alaska, where flashes of his axe were still seen as the Aurora Borealis. Fun fact, Paul Bunyan's statues litter the Midwest, some of which even include a likeness of Babe. There are dozens of them from Maine to California. The closest I could come up with for a complete list was on Wikipedia, and it's Wikipedia, so I knew it wouldn't be totally accurate. I can say that firsthand since their list excludes a statue at Castle Rock in St. Ignace, Michigan, just half an hour or so from where I used to live, so I know that they're at least missing a few. There's dozens on the list that they have, but it's probably more extensive even than you see on Wikipedia. Still, there are dozens of these statues and they speak to how attached we are to the comical and deliberately far-fetched stories of Paul Bunyan. In a folktale world of kings and princesses, Paul is a working-class guy whose rugged grit gets him through a tough, physically demanding job with long hours. This speaks to the hard-working, middle-class people who wrestle with their day-to-day, pushing through life's cold, long winters by working hard and putting on a happy face. In states like Michigan, Maine, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, we feel him in ourselves. Texas and the Southwest have Pecos Bill and the mountains have John Henry. But those of us who have lived in the cold stretches where people still cut and burn wood to get through the winter, not just to set a cozy Christmas mood, Paul Bunyan is our blood. Lately, however, I've noticed a disturbing trend. When I mention these classic stories to kids, they seem to have forgotten. Kids' faces are completely blank when I mention Paul, Pecos, or John Henry. It gets harder and harder to find any recognition of the classic American tall tales, and as such, I will be covering some of the big ones from now until I begin my Christmas rotation. If just one more kid sees a statue of a giant axe-wheeling man in flannel and his equally giant blue cow, and their eyes light up with recognition because they know Paul Bunyan, then I will have done my job well. As I always say, we begin losing a culture when we begin losing its stories. So let's share a few of our own on our way to Christmas. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please like, share, subscribe, pass it on to anybody you think will be interested. And of course, as always, have a beautiful weekend. Thanks again. With my double-blade axe and my lips, I go where the timbers fall, be done, don't mess around, he'll sing right out for Paul. Hey Paul, come on boys, Paul Bunyan, he's 63, axe handles high, with his feet on the ground and his head in the sky, hey Paul. <laughs>